0: This season of Real History is brought to you by the Real History Patrons. Join now to support the show at patreon.com slash realhistorypodcast. Welcome to Real History, shows what you know about history. On this podcast, we talk about historical movies and television, anything that claims to be based on a true story, and we check how bad did they mess it up, what was life actually like during that time period? Well, that's why we're here, to separate the real history from the real history. My name is Jacob Burroughs, and I don't know anything about history.
1: And my name is Michael Tynan, and I've forgotten how to record podcasts if ever I knew how to do them in the first place.
2: Uh, my name is Mark, and I am in the process of being recaffeinated.
0: Excellent. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since we've been able to record, but thank goodness we're coming back to discuss such a fun great film it's the 2004 king arthur um, that we all remember and love <laughs> um this one i i'm gonna start with a one sentence summary just before we get into it um because there's like a million king arthur films out there you might not remember this one um but the plot basically in one sentence is this for years, a band of warriors have been defe- defending the final outpost of an empire, and even though they've served their time, they have to take on one last job in the wilderness beyond the wall. But with a larger threat looming, parentheses, Stellan they, they will need to ally with their former enemies as they come face to face with the injustices they've imposed upon the
1: land
2: very good. very dramatic.
1: That was someone's like sentence. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, a lot yeah. of so, uh, semicolons, yeah. and dashes and <laughs> <Yeah>. such. <laughs> really testing your grammar on that one, Jacob. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: so, it's it's a film that came out in 2004. They primarily marketed it as this is the historically accurate King Arthur. Well, I'm pretty
2: sure the poster said the true story of King Arthur. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what the poster said.
0: No, I mean I, we did when we talked about to- doing something with King Arthur. It was between this and Monty Python and the Holy Grail, yeah. and I'd say there's not much in it as far as which one is more accurate. The
1: <laughs> truth is probably somewhere in between the two. Because
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get into but yeah. At least,
2: but, at least we would have liked the Monty Python movie. Because
0: <laughs> yeah, this, this starts. I, I just think it's worth pointing out. I think it's inaccurate from the very first frame of text where the first words are not like based on a true story. It's historians agree, which is just inaccurate to start yes. anything with historians, historians never they'd agree. never agree <laughs> yeah. uh, but what it says at the start is historians agree that the classical 15th century tale of king arthur and his knights rose from a real hero who lived a thousand years earlier in a period often called the dark ages recently discovered archaeological evidence sheds light on his true identity no, none it, of that is accurate no it doesn't <laughs> yeah so
1: you know <laughs> from what i've what a the, the little bit of research i did into the the Team behind the film that basically they said it was like a modern reinterpretation of a of a book that came out a few years ago that kind of gave credence to this theory of of King Arthur and his his knights at the Round Table. And I also saw it saw that it was actually it could be largely based on Bernard Cornwall Cornwall's novels. Yeah, famous
2: Bernard Cornwall is a like a famous. Uh, British historical fiction writer whose books have been adapted into a popular Netflix show called The Last Kingdom Mm. which takes place like after this though. yeah I this
1: mean, one they said it, it, he had apparently has another series called a Warlord series okay and that's uh, centered on Arthur uh, okay and this okay. type of thing and so it, there was a loose association with that series anyway mm. so somebody obviously read it when well, they were Ber- on a plane Ber- Bernard
2: Corn- Cornwall would himself I, I imagine would stress that it's historical fiction yeah that he's writing but that's know?
0: the thing that's so galling if yeah. you'll pardon the pun yeah. uh, there's no goals in this <laughs> but um <laughs> About this film, Michael, do you want to tell us who actually uh, made this one? We're going to get into the myth because I think King Arthur is much like Robin Hood; like it's one of those where people are like, they're not, they weren't real. I think, like yeah, probably. Yeah. And I, I want them to be real. Yeah, yeah I want them yeah. to be real. Yeah. But from from the layman all the way up to historians, I think the consensus is. Oh, uh, well, we don't think so, but you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. But uh, the film—it was a 2004 one—and there's, I feel like there was a, a wave of kind of Arthurian type content. And maybe mm. I'm wrong, but it, maybe I was just interested in it at the time. But it felt like this. I was actually excited to see this film. I did not enjoy it because there was no fucking magic in it.
1: But I take and it's funny even the cast, Where well, we'll go through it now in a little bit, but like it's a lot of the same sort of talking about the Pirates of the Caribbean, a lot of stars from that. Also. It was it
2: was the leads, the two leads uh were rising stars yes. in Hollywood at that time. Um and both of their careers kinda tapered off fairly soon, I would say. But Clive Owen had become like he he was he was establishing himself as a leading man in Hollywood at that point. He done He done a, a play, which was then adapted into a, a movie with uh, Jude Law and uh, some other actors. The names of which have w- escaped me at the moment. It was called Closer, and that well, had, that had become kind it. of yeah, that stab- yeah. had become a sort of a sleeper hit. And then he was in Sin City. Played mm. Dwight in that, and then he was in, you know. So he, he basically his star was on the rise anyway, and Kira Knightley as well at that time. Her yeah, star this was, was like a
0: year rise. after um, Pirates of the Caribbean. The first Pirates, yeah. It is, I mean, Kira Knightley in this is possibly, I wouldn't say the worst part, but it is so weird little- to have her posh English accent. Yes. Because she's supposed to be, you know... The native. The native, <laughs> like, wild person beyond the wall, but she has the poshest accent. And I know none of them spoke English, but, like, it's still in your brain. You can't quite connect that, because it's like, yeah, I know none... Like, in, in essence, I'm wrong for thinking that doesn't make sense, but it doesn't make it sense. It doesn't make sense, no. <laughs> but oh. it's funny
1: you, sh- you should say, mention about Clive Owen, like, what I was reading about was that the uh this basically this film was directed by Antoine Fuqua, and it was written by uh, David Franzoni. And Antoine Antoine Fuqua is uh, mainly known as we were saying for kind of action movies. So yeah. he's done yeah. things like the, uh, the the kind of latest version of the Magnificent Seven. Uh, he's done Olympus Has Fallen. I think you mentioned the equalizer, the equalizer, it.
2: Equalizer. Equalizer. Daniel Washington. So, yeah. Yeah. It was, was also in the Magnificent Seven with him. Exactly, and same,
1: and, same and he um or his writer the team thought the next big the, the next big star the next James Bond they also believed was going to be Clive Ohm yeah um, because actually, this film originally, Russell Crowe, Mel Gibson, and uh, Hugh Jackman all turned it down the role <laughs> of Arthur. And looking at the Rotten Tomatoes uh, rating of 31% here, uh, I think they were probably right. Yeah, you say know, what you fact. will about
0: Mel Gibson, but you know, it makes some good decisions sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it, it, the film itself, uh, just over two hours, 126
2: minutes. And um, you really feel the two hours, don't yeah, you? They yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a slog.
1: It's a it's a tough watch. We you know? we
0: watched um the director's cut is the one that's mm. widely available. So mm. I I at least watched the director's cut, and you feel every added minute of that yeah. director's yeah, cut as well. Sure. So yeah, but interestingly, sorry to cut in, but I think they had an initially intended it to be kind of um an R rated film, yes. and then it got pushed down to a PG thirteen. Yes, and this was something that was kind of during production that was a thing. So there was a weird. It, they, they had a hard time finding the tone of what they were going for, I yeah. think, because they were imagining like really bloody battles and all this sort of thing. And then in the director's cut, they kind of added some of that stuff back in, but it's still got a PG-13-ness yeah, about it. I so. think
1: Disney, the studio kind of yeah. was, was pushing them towards the PG-13 um, release, probably because of Pirates of the Caribbean and all that type of thing, um, hoping to kind of, you know, get, re- gain the same success maybe. Uh, but it did get the full block... Buster treatment, like I was surprised. The music is Hans Zimmer.
2: Oh yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, and Jerry Bruckheimer is a producer on it as well. So you Jerry, know,
2: Jerry Bruckheimer seems to have produced every movie released between 2002 and 2015. <laughs> right. Yeah, just, it really it's is. always him.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, during that time period, he was kind of all over the place. Uh, but I did, I do even looking at the the, the film now. You know, near, nearly over nearly 20 years later or whatever it did have a great cast yeah you oh, know yeah. um like they are all strong actors so we already mentioned Kieran Knightley obviously plays uh Guinevere uh, Clive Owen is Arthur um then you have Stephen Delan who is a, a kind of one of our
2: a real history favourite Stephen Delan probably best known as Stanis Baratheon in Game of Thrones
1: there you go yeah but he's played he's been in and out of a lot of historical movies you know even um even uh which was our most latest one we did he
2: was um, he played Thomas Jefferson in the HBO John series yeah yeah but yeah he's he's in a lot of stuff he was and also in The uh, the King, was he? Yeah, Outlaw King. Oh, outlaw oh, King. King. He yes. Was, yeah, yes. He played King Edward. He played the King of England.
0: But he's Merlin in this. He's Merlin, Merlin in this, is, exactly. Yeah.
2: Uh, then you have... You wouldn't uh, recognise him. You wouldn't well. actually know. a lot of no. face paint A lot whatnot. of that, yeah. As as big beard, of, long yeah. hair. All
1: Everyone that. had a lot of face paint yeah, in this movie. This yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that. Uh. <laughs> uh, but just to lift off the few other kind of notable actors in it. You have Mads Mickelson as Tristan. Uh you have Joel Edgerton, a young Joel Edgerton, um, as I th- was it Gawain? Gawain, yeah. Gawain. Um and then Ray Winstone, who who is sort of the um he plays the I suppose the comic character. He brings a little bit of comic relief because it is He's the, the only one that stands out really out of the nights,
0: I think, is, as yeah, a character. Because, yeah, uh, cause yeah he's he's very much like, Oh, I have Fifteen children. I will drink from their skull. Kind of that
1: vibe. This, about yeah, him. yeah. That's um, what, and what you need in a film a little bit, a little bit of light relief as well. You know, um, and then th- you can pronounce this name far better than me. So Stellan Skarsgård. Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah, there you and go. He's the
0: he's the Saxon. The the, S- the S- bigger threat. is it? Mm. Perdic.
1: Perdic. Yeah, Perdic. there you go. Perdic. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was sort of the the, the, the main cast um, in terms of. The film itself, it, it was filmed in um, Ireland, England, and Wales, so not too far away from us here. And in terms of trivia about the film, um, I suppose one thing I found a bit unusual looking into it was they they, they call the native people uh, in this woads, as, as we will go into yeah. later. Um, but there was no... They're, they're, I suppose they're modelled on the pick, in a way, some version of the Picts, or they're or a, more, yeah. they're Picts yeah, they are very much modern, just yeah, and essentially, like the, the thing with it was that we have no idea what the Pictish language was. So for the film, they're basically using a mix of uh, Scottish Gaelic and the Welsh language, modern versions of it, to create this. Uh, bastardised language which they are saying is Pictish or whatever. So I just thought that was unusual that like they would in, rather than just creating a language out of Notting they just decided to mash two together and hope for nobody would notice. So, it's
2: so strange to me. It, I, I found that really particularly strange because they should have just said get Welsh actors and we'll just use Welsh. Yeah. Because that's closer to the language that the natives will have actually have been speaking.
1: It's the it's the it's the I suppose, the most native language to Britain that yeah. still exists nowadays, yeah, you know? Of course it is. Like, yeah. Yeah.
2: The Picts have been gone really for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, anyway.
1: One of the reasons
0: I have no respect for this film uh, is that the director said in an interview that they used the word woads, which I think just means blue or whatever for yeah. the colour, yeah. um, instead of Picts, because, quote, they thought he thought Picts sounded a little weird. And that's like there was no other thought put into it than that, as far as I can tell. So, uh, but
1: that's what's annoying, because well, I think
2: that sounds a little weird, Antoine mm-hmm. Foucault. Well, this yeah.
1: is it. But also to 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 then state boldly in your opening credits or whatever exactly. that this is the most historically you, yeah. you can have approach, one or the other. Yeah. This is the thing, yeah. Make you can ha- the you, effort, lads. You Make can ha- you
2: have a one or the other. Don't don't come out saying this is historically true because the thing about it is the great majority of people watching films like this aren't like nerds, like. Like, and and lots of people will come away thinking that that is true, and practically none of it was, you know. And and it's just, it's very galling to see them producing a film like this and saying it's true when it is. I can see a nominee for the Mel Awards. Yeah, (laughs) but there (laughs) there could be several in in our future.
1: Uh,
0: Any other details on the film? Because I really want to get into what is true and what isn't here. So. No, we're...
1: I think that's enough. Yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it.
0: There's like basically it is an action movie. I think the goal yeah. was to do I think it was definitely inspired by Gladiator. I think even the writer was involved in Gladiator sure is, and all yeah. of this. Yeah. So, kind of Gladiator had just come out a couple of years earlier, so they could see pumping 120 million into this, putting all the stars in it. It could be a big hit. It wasn't a total flop, but it it didn't even earn like twice its budget back. It was like earned 200 million or something off a budget of 120. It was never a massive hit and it's not a very good film and I think it was... It
2: looks cheap. I think it looks cheap. It's very blue. It's really hard to see where the money is now.
0: That's actually a fair call out, I think, because it's set in, you know, Roman Britain. So everything's mm. a bit run down and a bit mm. shit. But that also means that a lot of what they're filming is just kind of running around in nature. Yeah. Um, so where's the money gone? I like, The money's not... Really hard to see it like. I'd say the money's gone to salaries for actors yeah. and it's mm. gone into like okay, l- yeah. big action set pieces that were then cut down for... Uh, the theatrical release, it, probably even the big battles. Yeah, they they don't look that. great.
2: They're not that me. big. I mean, they're not. Yeah. They're really not.
0: But that's historically accurate, Mark. They weren't that big back. Ah, they in the were day. bigger than that, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I <I'm Definitely> Actually, <laughs> more memorable. <laughs>
2: There's more than four guys on, a hor- on horses, like you.
0: Yeah, I, I actually really. Liked Arthurian legends and such growing mm. up. When I first got into tabletop role playing games and live action role playing games, it was through sort of a Knights of the Round Table theme. Yeah, sure. uh, there was a 1998 TV miniseries that I've looked back on and it's extremely cheesy but also formative for me uh, called Merlin uh, that I think I need to rewatch because it's just, ex- it looks extremely silly, but it's how I learned about Arthurian myth and legend basically. Right, okay. um, I also enjoyed the later homoerotic teen fantasy drama Merlin from two thousand eight um that went on for a number of years, so I did watch this when it came out but yeah just the the unique selling point the fact that they pushed so hard this is history it is uh yeah. it deserves
1: <laughs> to be rinsed I just feel
0: like they may as well have thrown in magic and not said it was historically accurate and it probably would have been a and, and the thing
2: film. is had had they had they have done that and had they tr- thrown magic into it, nobody would have annoyed it yeah it would have it would have seemed fine because it was so like unrealistic anyway yeah
0: but actual arthurian myth we have to talk about like is there any reality from it where does the modern day conception of arthur actually come from
2: so it's actually it is very interesting and it is a it is a, a rich vein that you can tap for uh the fantasy genres and it doesn't surprise me at all that you know you were talking about like uh or like tabletop rpgs that kind of stuff it's perfect for that kind of stuff and it's perfect for that kind of stuff because the Arthurian myth actually owes more to the Middle Ages than it does to the time that it's that this movie claims to be set. Although it's confused as to which century this movie is even set in, but we'll get to that later. Um, but the 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 stories about Arthur definitely owe more to um, medieval concepts of chivalry and the search for the Holy Grail and uh, knights in armor and the 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 sort of the um, the church pushed idea of the just and right king and the, the thing with arthur is 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 that it, it, there's there's this, there's a famous novel t h white's novel the once and future king which has this which just sort of wraps up the story of of arthur you know, with with the prophecy that he will return when when it's when england is due, is in crisis king arthur will return but that's you
0: know? just to be clear that's like a modern novel
2: yeah it's from yeah 50s i think yeah, yeah and it's it's like it's a famous novel or whatever but it's based uh, it, that's that that novel sort of collated a lot of the the myths that existed from previous books or plays or just folk tales and folk stories and things like that interestingly enough uh when henry the 7th uh the 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 first tudor king his first son was called arthur and had he not died would have been king arthur which is which is pretty interesting but he fell off a horse but, <laughs> um which which happens in history, <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> and uh, the current uh, Prince of Wales, it's speculated when he takes the crown will use his middle name and be King Arthur. Um. Anyway, if right. the
1: monarchy is not you know overthrown, which you, then, you know,
2: Britain's well, I don't know. I'll have a look at the news. Watch as, you know, this space. This, you know? <laughs> but anyway, the the story really owes its its uh, its popularity to the to the. To the Middle Ages and and writings that came out of that in the later in the in the High Middle Ages and the end of the Middle Ages, sort of 14th, 15th centuries, around then, when those concepts of of honor and high adventure and those kinds of stories became popular, but its origins really are are much more sort of uh, uh, complex and winding and twisting, and it's it's a conflation of, of various pre existing myths. From different ethnic groups in different geographical locations, a lot of the modern trappings that you you would associate with Arthur are actually French. So the the, the Lancelot Carter is a French edition. Pretty sure Guinevere is a French edition. The Holy Grail thing is a French edition. Mm-hmm. You know all of these all of these uh these even the Round Table you could probably argue is probably really a French edition.
1: Kind of some Fr- mythology from
0: Brittany. Yeah, type exactly, yeah. When you're saying a French edition, you're talking about like in the 1100s? Yeah, that's in the 11th,
2: 12th, 13th centuries, yeah, yeah. yeah. It must be remembered that the, the relationship between Britain and France is extremely close and complex and and while ever changing, the populations have been intermingling for
1: you know, yeah, a, listen a, to a, the king. Uh, exactly, our episode yeah. on the king for more on yeah, this. Yeah, we look at the it's the old thing that we look at the sea as a barrier now, but at the time they they saw it as their highway. Yeah, you see, so it was a lot easier for, or it was it was a, a lot more common than you would think for people to move across mm. from one area to the other. You know,
2: there's also uh, an an element of of the the natives, the quote unquote natives. I'm going to call them Britons because that's actually. That's what they're actually called. They're not called woads, right? The natives, the Britons, or as the Anglo-Saxon word, the Welsh, the Welsh. Uh, the Britons are are a people who had a oral tradition, much like the Irish and the Scots have, and it's a uh, it's 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 very much uh, similar to what we would know in Ireland. In in that there's their stories are about uh, there's lots of magic. There's characters like Merlin, and Merlin the character is based on a Welsh. Uh, sort of uh, folkloric character. Yeah, it's a lot of Welsh
0: mythology, yes. isn't it? All it's, of this stuff.
2: Yeah, pretty much all of it is, is uh, as ultimately has its origin in, in Welsh myth. And it's, it's folk tales that uh, arose from the period of the collapse of Roman Britain. And the reason why it arose at that time, or one of the reasons it arose at that time, is because this, is, this was a chance for the British culture to re-establish itself across the area that we now call England. Remember, the English don't exist at this point. There is no such thing as the English, and and so the the stories of, of Mer, Merlin Merdin or Mirthin Mer, I can't I, I can't say it it's Welsh. Um, that character was a pre existing character that was then written into uh, the, the Arthur story as that developed, yeah. and that ultimately is developed uh, as a folk memory of potentially an individual or several individual. Warlords or kings or dukes or military commanders that existed as the empire uh, withdrew, withdrew from, from Rome, Britain. Yeah.
0: Right, so there's not really a clear-cut answer to: Is no. this a real person? Because H- historians definitely don't agree that it was this one person we see in the film. But you know, it it is based on historical events we know to have happened. But yes. it, it's it's very similar, I would say, to like you know, in Scandinavian history when you go back far enough and it's like, you know, yeah, we have an account but they're also fighting a giant, you know, we have stories about Arthur, (laughs) I think the story of Arthur and the battle we see in this film is like, oh yeah, he killed 900 people himself, himself, like literally so it's that kind of like, yeah, they wrote it down and like there's possibility that there are some influences but historians certainly don't agree i would add as well i think much like vikings there was a resurgence in the 1800s to no one's surprise of all of these myths being dragged out again paraded around because they needed to establish this concept of nationhood as we've talked about many times before it's the same with vikings like the romanticism and the sort of looking back at medieval times or history mm-hmm. to kind of kind of find roots and find like chivalry and like common myth, yeah, yeah medievalism yeah. and bringing all these things so, back, a
2: unifying to, uh, story of the people.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's that's where we owe a lot of modern day concepts to as well. So I'd Absolutely. say like obviously the origins potentially somewhere in the. 500, uh, 600 something of, of, the, yeah, the story, of the story originally. The, the 400s. But it yeah. was formalized in the 1100s and then mm-hmm. resurgence in the 1800s and, and on. And now we have like a million movies and TV shows. But yes. no one really, like there's no canon. There's no one book on no. King oh. Arthur, which is why it's, it's so old. muddled. Which is why if you're doing a movie, you can kind of do whatever the fuck you want. You can make a really interesting story. There's a lot of interesting myth and folklore. and
2: It's, th- it's sort of the beauty of it. And, and, yeah. and, and in a lot of ways, that, that is the beauty of of. of Folklore generally yeah. There isn't really a canon there, yeah. Or there's certain things That are supposed to Vaguely happen maybe But there isn't a, There isn't a set canon You can tell a story About Ragnar Lothbrok Where he's fighting a giant Or a dragon Or a wolf or whatever It doesn't matter Because it, was he real? <sighs> maybe it's very it's not, much
0: like comic books or whatever, where absolutely. you can kind of like drop comics. in wherever yeah. and do a story, and it's not necessarily. False. Feet, what
2: happened in the last issue? It's a different reality. And that's how, yeah, it's a different. That's life. how
0: folklore works. That's how you tell stories over and over. And we're doing the same thing with movies
1: and TV. Absolutely, it's just annoying when they also claim this definitely happened. Yeah. you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think you should be suspicious in general of people talking about the past ever saying this definitely happened. You know, mm. it, it, when you're talking about that period of time, especially. Yeah. You know, because it is the fall of. A highly organized society, yeah. uh, Well, in southern Britain, anyway, um, into sort of well, what we're led to believe, anyway, is utter chaos. You know, um, so the dark dark ages, yeah. And trying to put any, trying to fix anything in that period of time, you'd you'd want to be brave. That's what I'd say. You know, or a producer, Hollywood producer. I
2: I think (laughs) I think all of that is is particularly heightened in, in, in modern times, where there's you know there's a lot of outlandish claims get made. About, about like I'm sure you've seen those because t- I've sent them to you. The TikToks of the that woman who claims the Roman Empire never existed. Have you seen those? Yeah, yeah, those. yeah, Just yeah. just like hell and and very funny, but people believe her. You know, it's it's, it's uh, or Netflix doing the documentary about Cleopatra and they're like she was definitely black. Well, she wasn't, and we mean no know she wasn't. That 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 is a matter of record, and it's someone's opinion that they want her to be a certain way, and then somebody will say, oh well, they made they made this, you know, uh, that uh, that that drama series in the UK based on the royal court and the Queen and that is black and are like yeah but crucially that's a fiction and they didn't say this is a documentary you know yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean so it's what you mean Bridgerton Bridgerton that's it mm. yeah 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 but hmm. Bridgerton isn't claiming Bridgerton. to be absolute fact this is why you know we're I mean? a lot it's, more forgiving of Bridgerton of course, than like, another of course show. Like, you know, it's
0: all based on what you're saying is true and isn't because these yeah. because stories is how people learn like I still get comment on some of our history related YouTube videos that mm. are like you know this any Film that's historical is propaganda or whatever, you know. Because yep. and in a sense that's true. In a sense that's But, yeah, in yeah. A sense that's but yeah, it's all about you how to make it. a
1: podcast or a YouTube video about something,
0: lads. Yeah, yeah true. At <laughs> like the end of the day, let's yeah. get into some stuff that actually did happen because we, as we said, like a lot of what we think of for King Arthur is more uh, 12th century it's kind medieval. of inventions, medieval stuff. Yeah. But this film takes place before then in Roman Britain. Right? Yeah. So, so
2: this this takes place in. In what we would call the European Dark Ages.
0: So let's rewind to that and say, yeah, Roman Britain. We've talked about it on a few other shows, but how did this come into being? Uh, you know, what is what is the current situation or the situation leading up to this time? Because what the film depicts is, yeah, pulling out the, R- Rome, leaving. Uh, britain basically and
2: it's literally like the week that rome's yeah. gone isn't it? it's like the last bus out of town you know? yeah, yeah the yeah, last, last yeah. chopper out of saigon
1: it definitely that feel to it all right From yeah, The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but how did they arrive what was the how did we get to this point in terms of britain itself becoming a roman province yes yeah. uh well that you'll you won't be surprised to know me and mark we have no problem talking about rome so yeah we can definitely go back a little bit uh not for too long not Not for too long long. we promise we promise stick with us listener this was like this is like the
2: stealth Rome (laughs) yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah. it's like oh my god can we fit rome into this yes we fucking can don't switch it off (laughs) (laughs) um but i suppose yeah thinking back uh, if to give a brief overview of it um we are going to go back to 55 uh bc sorry bc um and the reason we're going back then is because a very famous man called julius caesar he Who? had yeah never heard of him he had been on a bit of a roll um over the last pres- or the preceding centuries rome had spread its tentacles uh, throughout the mediterranean and had gradually moved north um the 10 years preceding 55 uh, bc had basically seen uh, Julius Caesar rampaging around what was known as Gaul at the time, um, crushing any resistance, uh, carrying out genocide to a large degree, and um, unifying uh, Gaul as a a Roman province that could be taxed and that uh, auxiliary troops could be levied from, and all the things that Rome was very, very, very good at doing. So after this period of time Julius Caesar eventually reached the sea and what did he see but these cliffs in the distance but not that far away of this mythical land called Britannia or what the Romans uh, call Britannia and I think we touched on it in another episode I think in the but, Rome episodes
0: yeah we talked about Julius Caesar's expeditions and I always find it found it kind of not weird but counterintuitive because if I was imagining, like, Rome arriving in Britain, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that was Caesar, right? <laughs> but no, mm-hmm. it actually, he, wa- he was he was
1: there. Well, he tried twice. So, yeah. yeah, so essentially what happened is he, he decided, he saw Britain, and he, it's hard to tell what he was thinking, but he, like we said in other episodes, like, for all intents and purposes, if you were a common uh, Roman citizen, Britannia was the moon you know, yeah. or Mars. Uh, com- it, it, it was beyond the realm Was of it even real? Was it even real? Exactly. It was just this sort know. of cloudy, misty place where giants might live or sea monsters might uh, roam its coast. What did
2: they used to call it? Hyperborea? Nobody used to call it north of Europe, north of Europe beyond the northern winds. Yeah, the this it? Kind of
1: is it real up there? Like, I don't Who, <laughs> who know? really knows? You know? But I, I think my own personal opinion is... Uh, be- is that Caesar probably saw the prestige value in uh, going to Britain, even if it was only for a wet weekend, uh, because he could then write back in his famous dispatches, which were posted up over Rome, telling him... Read out uh, in uh, the uh, forum. ...about how... Look, look at Julius Caesar. He's only after after conquering large parts of Spain and Gaul. He's only after uh, arriving in Britain too. What can't he do? Um, So this year of 55 B. B. C. julius caesar he basically jumped across the sea uh he 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 did he did his f- his first exhibition uh was a bit of a disaster he blamed the weather um, as lots of people still do for a lot of events. It's a common
2: complaint in Britain as it is in Ireland. The exactly. weather was just terrible.
1: Exactly. So the first year <laughs> when he arrived, he you know, when he arrived on the coast or whatever, he did encounter other tribes, uh resistance, all this type of thing. But you could say his heart wasn't really in it. It was more of an exploratory mission. Um so this, then he decided the next year to go back and this time he wasn't messing around. Um he arrived in Kent with five legions, twenty thousand men roughly. 800 ships, 2,000 cavalry, and, you know, he, We. it's very hard to tell what his uh, motivation was, but he had just conquered Gaul, why not conquer Britain too, you know? Um, but, for whatever reason, whether it was the weather, or logistical reasons, or whatever like that, he wasn't able to win a decisive battle. So, because of that, he eventually uh, probably just got sick of it, and he signed a sort of a, uh, I suppose, a a treaty with a couple of local tribes that mm. were in, that, in southern a- a- England, the area around London and e- Ex- es- Essex and these type of areas. Kent, I think. Kent, I exactly. That. So he signed a deal with the Atrebates and the uh, Cata Valo- Valuni, I think they were called. Um, and basically, he used that as his get out of jail card. He said, look, I've subdued the Britons. Right. And he left, essentially. Um, so that was sort of the only real contact outside of trade, because you have to remember, Gaul had just been conquered. Mm-hmm. It was suddenly open to trade with the rest of the Roman Empire. So you're going to have a little bit of back and forth. There's the, the, the channel is very, very small at the end of the day. It's not a great distance. So over the preceding uh, decades, there was a far more interaction between Britain and Gaul and the wider Roman Empire. Uh, but it wasn't for 100 years Late, uh, until 100 years later that another serious attempt was actually made. So in that uh, interim period you had everyone from the Emperor Augustus uh, to Caligula um, who claimed that they were about to set off on, a, on a, a mission to conquer Britain but they never actually managed it and it fell to sort of a, 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 the most unlikely of Roman emperors probably in history one of them anyway yeah. even though there was a lot uh, which was Claud- Claudius, um and it kind of fell to him to actually pick up the reins and launch this great final attack i'm tempted to ask why he was unlikely but
0: then i'm like that's another 20 minutes gone probably so please exactly. continue well, we, <laughs> yeah we,
2: we, we like with me and michael we really don't have time to get into claudius yeah. like we will be <laughs> l- i
1: would really like to because
2: that guy is
0: I don't know if anyone would be interested but I think we could easily spin off just a Roman history podcast or ancient history where we just pick random people and discuss but anyway that's for the Patreon. No problem. (laughs) Patreon.com slash real history podcast you know yourself.
1: Exactly and well either way it's not given much away to say that Claudius in 43 uh, CE he essentially decided that the moment had come to fulfill Augustus's and Julius Caesar's wish and um, and incorporate Brit- Britannia into the Roman Empire. Um, and he kind of needed, he. the reason he did this, because, you know, at the end of the day, you're asking, okay, but why did he make such an effort? Why didn't he go further east? Why didn't he do, you know, first of all, it was there, a bit like asking why uh, Mount Everest was climbed or the moon was, uh, yeah. and happened, because it was there, essentially. But also, um, he needed a bit of a win, he wasn't exactly the most popular choice for emperor at the beginning. Fair. Yeah, um, and he needed a way to solidify his power. So an easy victory, as he would see it over the Britons, would be one way of doing it. But also Britain was extremely minerally rich, mm. so full of... Like, Very wealthy, yeah. Yeah, so great land in the south, as there still is today, but also tin from Cornwall. You had lead in the Pennine Mountains, copper and gold in Wales. Silver,
2: silver mines as well, I think, is there? It
1: was, uh, undoubtedly, yeah, somewhere. So, like, basically, it was seen as a, a, a rich seam that the Roman Empire could tap into. I suppose.
2: And it was right there. We right might as there, well have it. You yeah, know? it's uh,
0: interesting because, of course, when the Vikings were coming over, it was like mainly farmland they were mm, interested in for and sure. raiding the things that other people have had already mined. They weren't interested in necessarily coming in and setting up their own mines as the first step. But no. you know, this is Rome. They've already got. They've, they've, got already, goal,
1: done they've, got they've there, already done this to Spain. They've already done this to Spain. They have a lot of
2: Spain is is. Mining on an industrial scale that, that isn't seen again until the 1800s. Mm, yeah. That's that's what incredible. We're talking about, like, it's incredible.
1: Like, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, so they know how to do it. The Romans. Yeah. So th- there was a lots of reasons to go in. Also, the excuse they used as well is they had signed these sort of tributary deals with the um, local tribes in southern it, what we would call now southern England, and they so they had an excuse to go in if somebody if something. Happened to those tribes? They they had a protectorate over them. Right. If some issue happened, they could easily walk in. And this is exactly Romans love that sort of. Oh, we have we have a deal. No, we
0: have to go and protect these it's people. The Never for, the aggressor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. always.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, do we have to send in the allegiance again? Well, if we must. Honor demands. Yeah. Honor demands just that we come like, and take this land.
0: <laughs> just like a modern superpower, really. Yeah. Like yeah, you're just yeah. pointing to. Well, they're our allies,
1: so you know. <laughs> well, there's nothing new under the sun. And I would, and uh, we're just gonna, I'm just gonna skip through this invasion now, very quick, I promise, because I know we have a lot to get through. But l- if anyone's interested, in this really, really interesting part of history uh, to see the actual invasion um, and that type of thing. Cassius Dio, he was writing about this about 150 years later, so you know, it's it, there might be a lot of it, there's some inaccuracies, but he, you know, it, if, to the best of our knowledge, this is how it happened anyway, you know. So. The Emperor Claudius sent over um, the general Plautius and Vespasian, a future emperor, um, back to Kent again. uh, And this time with 40,000 men in total. um, And a lot of these would have been auxiliaries and and this type of thing. And interestingly, once they've established a foothold and they knew they weren't going to be completely routed or whatever... Uh, Claudius arrived himself, which uh, not a lot of Roman emperors at that time did. They wouldn't have bothered a lot of them. Exactly. And uh, what I did love, interesting fact, he arrived with 16 war elephants. And you can imagine what the people (laughs) of Britain taught at that, you know. (laughs) Sorry, around what year was this? Oh, it's 43 uh, CE. Yeah, okay. common era. So Um, so yeah, so they moved basically up through southern Britain and they eventually... um, defeated uh, the, the local tribes at the Battle of Medway and they uh, st- they kind of occupied the local capital which at the time it was called Camelundum uh, but now we know it as Colchester and it later became a um, a colony uh, for soldiers to actually uh, Roman soldiers to, to retire to, you know. Um, Sometimes speculated to be Camelot. Camilo, mm. Camilo there you go yeah makes sense yeah yeah um a couple of years later as this invasion progressed uh london or londinium was founded in 47 um and then over the preceding decades basically romans roman rome's power spread throughout the southern part of the yeah. island and
0: mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, folk tales and stories from this era as well right mm. like what's her name bodica
1: yeah, Bodica. it depends on how, how you, you pronounce, pronounce it. it. Yeah. or Bodicea. Bodicea. Bodicea, I would Just say. Like yeah. a,
0: a warrior queen, one might call yeah. her. Like, very interesting tales to be told. And, cru-
2: um, and crucially... Was a real person? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Unlike a lot
1: of these, uh, <laughs> she would have been initially. I believe that her father would have been allied with Rome, the Iceni, yes, tribe. The Iceni tribe. Yeah, uh, but basically, she got sick of that. Uh, so there was. It wasn't. They didn't. Wasn't Romans didn't have it all their own way. You're yeah. dead right. There was rebellions. Uh, they finally kind of in 51 BC or, or C they defeated Caraticus. He was sort of the r- rebel leader of the Cata Valuni. and. After that, things calmed down to a large yeah. descent, uh, apart from Budicea. <laughs> yeah,
0: and Hadrian's Wall is kind of a... Po- it's a thing in popular culture. It's a thing that's well-known. It's the inspiration for the wall in Game of Thrones. Like it is, It's the f- yeah. its the sort of final frontier against the wilderness beyond, and it features heavily in this film because mm. these knights are all stationed at this wall, yeah. uh, holding back the wild folk on the other side, basically. So I, I guess... Uh, you know, skipping through hundreds of years here, really, but I guess I, I'm I wondering what is life like under this sort of, in this sort of mix of Roman and Britain culture over the course of centuries, because that's the setting that King Arthur supposedly would have, mm. you know, sprung up through. And sure. what's the deal with Hadrian's Wall, as far as you know? We know that's a real thing, but I don't really know the details of.
1: Yeah, goes, so like eventually, uh, it became the natural <laughs> frontier of. There was two uh, initially. There was one province uh, founded, but in time, we it, two provinces were founded. You had Britannia Inferior and Britannia Superior, so closer and further. Uh, as far as I'm aware. Um, And one had its capital in London and the other one had its capital in what we would now call York. Mm -hmm. Mm Iborocum. There you go. Uh, Famously up in in the north of England. Um, So I suppose Hadrian's Wall was built after the Romans had spread out throughout southern Britain Um, eventually conquered Cornwall and um, Devon, moved up, conquered Wales as well, Um, even the famous Druid uh, island of Anglesey as well, which I'd love to get into in a Patreon episode sometime if we have time. Uh, But over this time, they really established their control. Um, They built like over 8,000 miles of roads all over Britain. What did the Romans ever do for (laughs) Um, (laughs) And... You know it, it highly everything we associate with Rome, whether it 's the bats you know uh it, it, we famously have the town of bat or the city of bat today uh, so there 's countless examples of amphitheaters, all that type of thing. Rome established itself very very well, but it did take a look at what we would call Scotland now or Caledonia um. And although they did make excursions into it, and it was they did consider conquering the entire island, they, as far as we know, they circumnavigated the whole island they on did, boats yeah. and and that type of thing. But eventually they said, "Okay, thus far we will go and no further." Uh, yeah,
2: one of, one of my favorite Roman emperors later on. He had a go with the Scots as well, and wasn't going brilliantly. And then and then he got ill and died in New York. But yeah, he had a, he had a, he had a right go. It was
1: brilliant. So we, it, there was, they, they definitely considered it as they did consider it with Ireland. Um, but, you know, they had enough on their plate probably getting the, this province established. So eventually, to put a natu- to put a frontier on it, they did establish in 12, uh, 122 uh, CE Hadrian's Wall. And, and this goes across the whole n- a part of the north of England from the Tyne to the Solway Itmus, it's called. Um, and it's 119 kilometers, so 74 miles. It's fort a fortified uh, wall running from the Solway Firth on the Irish Sea to the to the uh, west, all the way across to uh, what we would call Newcastle now on the, on the east coast, uh, facing the North Sea. Um, so it took about 10 years to build it. This thing in parts, it's massive, like it's five meters high and three meters wide in places. Uh, And the whole idea behind it was to keep out the Pictish uh, peoples to the north who were occupying the Caledonians, if you want to call them loosely. These tribes that Rome believed it couldn't conquer or couldn't civilize or wasn't worth the hassle of, of, of taking over. One, you know, Maybe both. Uh, Maybe both, maybe a bit of everything, you know. Um, They also believed there had been so many rebellions in that north part of England with the Brigantes tribe that, you know, some of the fortifications were facing inwards. So they obviously had one eye on the Picts to the north, and then they also had an eye on the local people as well uh, to kind of signify this is the power of Rome. Don't mess around. Look what we've built here! Uh, it crosses your whole country, mm. essentially. Yeah, it
0: is. It is impressive. Like it's um, parts of it are still standing today. But you know, I, I believe it's. Usually, oh yeah, it's, still, it's quite low in comparison. There's still right? like, aqueducts and stuff. Yeah,
2: there's there's towns in the north of Eng- England. Um, a friend of mine who's from Lincolnshire told, told me like that if you go into the bell tower in Lincoln town centre, you can actually see the town that the town is laid out like a Roman colony, like it's mm. laid out like a fort. All mm. straight lines, and, and you see, so it's yeah. still visible today. You know, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. And because it wasn't, it wasn't just a wall, as Mark was saying, like you built into it, you had fortifications, you know, you could transport uh, goods through it. Mm. You know, there was um,
2: trade, very much a trade post, and trade there'd post. be markets all along it. It wasn't necessarily just a military boundary this far and no further. It was a point at which there was trade as well. Yeah, you know? so it, it was wasn't, a marketplace.
0: It wasn't like the wall in Game of Thrones, no. in that you did there's contact with the people beyond the wall. It's not just people killing each other, a no. constant warfare, sure, occupation. Right? It was just like, we're defending our land from this point, right? So we yeah. can yeah. still trade, and, still uh, travel.
1: They did actually eventually go a bit further. So they went 20 years later under the next emperor, uh, Antonius Pius. They built another wall up in the middle of Scotland, um, which was slightly shorter, so 60 kilometers uh, long or 37 miles. And it's less known it's the antonine wall because it didn't last long so basically for about after about 20 years in 165 uh they decided to uh, abandon it you know they said look we're for whatever reason they withdrew back down to Hadrian's wall and from that moment then until i suppose the fall of roman britain that was the natural frontier
3: mm. uh,
0: yeah and the fall of Roman Britain is where we're at in this film right like it's the it's <laughs> are we uh, yeah well <laughs> tell me about that cuz you're saying that they're they're off by a few 100 uh, years or yeah
2: well it's difficult to say I'll, uh, let michael if you want to talk about the withdrawal from Britain or do you want me to Yeah
1: oh, I, oh can we can both yeah yeah, yeah uh, but basically w- it's very important for this film because of what it's claiming is why, why did Ro- the roman britain fall mm. and uh, there's probably lots of reasons uh, but probably the easiest way to put it was rome valued its other provinces more um so when resources were tight The first place to sort of lose its legions, essentially, or lose that extra uh, investment in funds to to shore it up was Britain, you know? Last in, first out. A a little bit like that. Uh, So... Str- skipping forward a little bit to 250 uh, there was new threats the picks were still a problem up in Scotland but you were also you were getting um increasingly invasions from uh, the angles and the saxons not so much invasions as maybe just population movements as well at first uh but also, also
2: the irish we must we must uh, yes put we were we, we were raiding the province of britannia pretty mercilessly at this point sorry. yes
1: taking slaves famously saint sorry, patrick sorry, you know? all these type of <laughs> things you know and you can see this because in 255 I feel like they got you london yeah, london so actually got its walls so you can yeah. see that that's a physical symbol that something's wrong yeah because why would be, the walls were not needed before because the mm. province had been pacified you know mm. um so yeah over this period of time Gradually, it's like an anarchy develops. So um, the Roman power is less centralized, uh, although taxes are still collected, all that type of thing. Laws aren't being enforced the same way. Certain generals, so a famous admiral, for example, uh, declared himself emperor um he decided in 287 his name was Carousius and he declared himself emperor of northern Gaul and Britain um minted his own kinds uh tried to establish his own empire you know and then Rome would come back in crush him things would get back to normal for a few years but it was all a steady decline i suppose is the 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 best way of putting it um all the way up to uh about 401 ce and that's sort of a critical period because at that time, Rome has its own problems. Um, so, Just pulling it pulling mildly. Yeah, and that would need several podcasts to go into uh, and uh, history and decline of the Roman Empire and all these books. But,. Um, Essentially, there's more... At- Rome itself is being attacked by Visigoths, this type of thing. So the soldiers are just withdrawn. It was the uh, original Brexit, as we were saying before
0: recording. Is it, like, this, this, is so, this was the original Brexit. The soldiers yeah. were just needed elsewhere. They're driving around with carts on the side. It said, you know, 800,000 Visigoths are attacking. Yeah. <laughs> like, we need to send We don't soldiers.
1: care so much about Cornwall anymore. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose... And a good did, really. <laughs> <laughs> but a good way to illustrate the point, I suppose, was that in 410... The Roman uh, elite uh, living in Britain, so the Roman Britons, wrote to the then emperor, so Honorius, who I think has a mention in the film inaccurately, yeah, yeah. Um, and basically said, "Please help, you know, send more troops." And he famously wrote back to them and said, "Look to your own defences. <laughs> and in,
2: in Honorius's defe- defense, in four ten, Alric, the king of the Goths, sacked Rome itself. Yeah. yeah, now Rome had been sacked since what four hundred. BC eight hundred BC whatever like a well, long time
1: yeah well before well I mean they've been the sacked by other Romans ever but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. not out- by like bad not people. an not an
2: outsider <laughs> yeah. you know only Romans can sack Rome yeah but uh, but yeah I mean it was dire at that point like yeah. the, the empire was it only lasts another sixty five years it's, it's, yeah, so things are like this things
1: are so they're just ta- Rome is or Roman Britain is no longer a priority and then we're left with this vacuum. Um, and who takes over i suppose yeah. yeah
0: but this is this is kind of touched on in the film and that mm. in that they're talking about like you know our main character in the film who will talk about who he is or isn't uh i suppose but but he's you know he's got all these roman ideals this romanticism yes. about uh ancient rome and like justice and all of these things and finds out unceremoniously like oh no we're not doing any of that shit anymore like that's the plot i feel like it's a very simplified version of someone who had an idea of what rome was probably hundreds of years before this not like right before this uh, yeah. but then has that disillusionment and and he joins the, the locals or whatever because he is a local but yeah i don't know uh is that does that make sense at all
2: so uh, sort of like so the 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 thing the thing the way the movie is portraying Britain here is is is, uh, is complicated and and is uh, not accurate to the myths in a lot of ways. Firstly, the the, the first like most obvious point I think that it, that somebody who was really into the Arthur myths would make is that the geographical location that the story takes place in is not really where the Arthurian myths take place. So they have it right up in the north, in the in the northernmost reach of the provinces at Hadrian's Wall. But the King Arthur myths are not really centered. That's not the area of Britain where you would you would expect to find those stories. Like I meant, we mentioned Colchester. Some people equate that to, Cam- to Camelot. That's not open the north there. No, the culture, true. cultures is certainly not up, not not up anywhere near. It's not in New Yorkshire, you know. Uh, and the stories are are more probably vividly well known or centered more. Uh, along the Welsh marches, which which are which are in uh, western England, so it's not it's not up in the north. So that that that's that's the f- the first kind of thing that's that's fairly wrong about this. The second thing is the 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 year that this takes place is very difficult to ascertain because it's it seems to be like I was saying earlier. It's like the last week of Rome's rule, mm-hmm. so that should put it in in 410 around then. But the events that it's portraying and even names that are used are are, for example, the Saxon leader Curdic. Curdic is one of the leaders suggested to be commanding the Saxon troops at the Battle of Baden Hill. Now, the Battle of Baden Hill, we can't, we don't know. There's no, there's no archaeological evidence that this battle ever took place. No one knows where Baden Hill is. It isn't agreed upon. There's some speculative ideas. None of them are up. A Hadrian's Wall, though, they're all. I was going to say,
0: if there's no decision, then yeah, we can just make it up, right? Pe- people
2: think this is somewhere around Wessex. Mm. That's that's what they think. Somewhere around there, maybe in maybe Cornwall. So you know, there's a few different suggestions. In some of the histories, Curdic is listed as the name of one of the leaders of the Saxon forces. The only thing is, Baden Hill doesn't doesn't take place until around 500. Right. So, so it's 90 years later. So it, so it's it's confusing, sort of. It's confusing, uh, or it's conflating rather, a century of events sort of into a week or a month.
0: Yeah, because it's kind of depicting you know? the Romans are disappearing and this Saxon yeah. invasion basically is happening mm. at the same time because Stellan Skarsgård is there running around you know, you can tell he's evil because he's doing really evil things and, and he speaks in a harsh voice. Yeah, as well. he's got a he's got a
2: scruffy beard.
0: Yeah, he's really telegraphed as like oh p- p- purity of we need to do this. it like basically just saying and doing evil things so that we know that he's the bad guy. Uh, and so we can I like think they murder try. A bunch
2: of kids At one point Don't they, don't they, uh, like, don't they? He's, I, like, he's like kill the, kids, kill the women And children or Yeah like
0: well <laughs> Someone's trying to A soldier's trying to Assault a local uh, Sexually And he like Stops him oh, that's And, right, and then he's they're the one Thanking one of, him And yeah. he's like No it's because I don't want The blood to be Mixing with these Fucking people That he kills That he has The woman murdered Anyway mm. And it's just very like, yeah. That's a that's a movie script right. thing. It's yeah. not like yeah. the well,
2: well. I can I can tell ta- I can tell you from the genetic evidence that's factually yeah. really really inaccurate because what exactly. the Saxons did was absolutely interbreed with the locals. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. but okay. So we're kind of like it's it's condensing or mm. just kind of throwing these things so events into the it, same. It's, it's
2: condensed. So so the period. So after the Romans, withdraw from Britain, you have you have a collapse of centralized government. And what happens is, is, is probably predictable enough, as you might imagine. Uh, Warlords? Honorius Inori, says, look to your own defences. Warlords, correct. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is various uh, leaders who are either political or religious or militaristic in, in nature spring up in various parts of the Roman province of Britain. The Roman province of Britain, uh, what, what's meant by that is sort of England and most of Wales or part of Wales. It's not Scotland because, you know, Hadrian's will. So w- what ends up happening is various areas fall under the sway of different warlords. None of, this, none of these things are well attested because, because the centralized government has collapsed. The histories aren't that clear. A lot of it is working on folklore and, and, and folk memory and, you, you know, oral histories and things like that. And things that come centuries later. So the absolute facts of what's happened here is very, very difficult yes. to tell. Oh,
1: it's very great
2: now that leads me to 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 uh
1: arthur yes
2: yeah, so that, le- <laughs> that that leads me to to the the character in the movie they they call him artorius now there was a real roman military commander called lucius artorius castus
0: ah so historians do agree
2: <laughs> well they agree they agree that artorius castus exists artorius is is a Ro- is an old roman gens an old roman clan um it, it uh Probably of Etruscan origin originally, but it's an old. It is an old uh, um, family, so it, it it's a name that you will see in lists holding political office, holding military office throughout history. Lucius Arturius Castus, though the actual man, is from the second century. So it's several centuries beforehand. Now, I I I if if you were being nice to the movie, you would say that the Arturius in the movie is a descendant of. Yeah, But that's really a stretch yeah. <laughs> and, and Even I,
1: my reaction there And, and I'll like, explain nah.
2: to, <laughs> to you why it's a stretch Lucius Arturius Cassus Was stationed with the 6th Legion now, The 6th Legion was Previously, uh, previously had fought in the, in the east of the empire Or the east of Europe rather, not the east of the empire And, and then had been stationed in Lugdunum Which is Lyon in France In Gaul And then had been stationed to Iboricum So the 6th Legion was the legion That manned the wall and Artorius Castus's role in the sixth Legions, was—he w- he was a—he was what's called a prefect, which is where the word prefect comes from. And a prefect is an interesting role in a, in a legion because w- what a prefect is is a is a generally a middle aged man or, or an older man, like a man closer to retirement, maybe in his fifties, maybe in his sixties, even. And it's typically a soldier who's ro- who's risen through the ranks, the hard way. He's been in the line of battle. He's been a centurion. He's been a, you know, first spear. He's been wounded. He's probably covered in scars. He's a grizzled, grizzled veteran. Um,
1: probably trains a lot of new recruits. Trains the new yeah. recruits,
2: is beloved by the new recruits. Yeah. And his role in the army, his role in the Legion is he is the guy who feels out how the rank and file are and then delivers that to the commander, to the general. So, he's the guy that would break the good news and break the bad news. He's the guy that would give you the feel for the morale of your troops. He's the guy who would be responsible. Yeah. Yeah. But he's the guy who was responsible for ensuring that the discipline of a legion is high and the morale is high so that in the line of engagement, the line doesn't break. And as we said before, in hand to hand warfare, in hand to hand combat, the thing that causes the death is not the clashes of the lions. It's when one line breaks. When one panic. line breaks and panic the panic, action. that's when the slaughter ensues. That's why Roman armies win. It's, it's, it's The, the organization is designed to prevent a rout. Mm. And if you rout, you're dead. Like if you're in the front few, few lines of a big clash against a Roman legion, you ain't getting out. Mm. Just think of the chaos of it. People falling over each other and whatever. So, uh, the prefect is a very, very important man. Now, it seems that this Artorius, this Lucius Artorius Castus, was a very, very popular man among the troops. Those troops who would have who would age out of the legion would settle there. So, that is a man who would be famous in that area. Mm. He might be really, really well known. He might have done things to cement that legacy. Certainly, that's a name that would be would have carried weight or would have been known. Now, it seems that what they're saying in the movie is this guy, Lucius Arturius Castle's family, stay in the command of that mm. legion for this time.
0: Because he's kind of shown as, like, you are a local, more or less. Like, he's, like, yeah. a descendant of the Britons who used to rule here or yeah. something. But, like, he's... A Roman They right? try and like, say
1: it's half and half basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: Which I guess A lot of people Would be at this stage Huge
2: number A huge amount Of the population is, is, Would be referred to As what we What we now Call Romano-British And that means They are Like you just said They're, they're, they're people who's, Who are ethnically British They're ethnically And when I say British I don't mean the, well, What we think of As now being British I don't, I don't think of like we're, we're not talking About English people We're, we're talking about Welsh people The the, the ethnic Britons The, the Celtic speaking peoples So they they are the original inhabitants of of, of England. They they intermarried with the settled Roman soldiers. And remember, Roman legions are drawn from all over the empire. There's people from all around the world here. There's North Africans, there's Middle Easterns, there's Italians, there's Greeks, there's Spaniards. Sarmatians? There are Sarmatians. What
0: are Sarmatians?
2: (laughs) I'm glad you asked.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because in the film, that's like, uh, the knights of the round table are shown as like, hey, they were all from... Sarmatia Sarmatia And Mm. they were like The famous cavalry from there And those were the knights Of the round table basically
2: So traditionally Throughout the Roman Empire Roman cavalry Is not their strong suit Roman natural Native trained Italian cavalry They're not You know there's a long history of the Romans re- recruiting their cavalry from their ally from allied tribes. Germany, especially from Germany, yeah, especially yeah, they loved a bit of German cavalry. The Sarmatians are a people who are from the Pontic Steppe. So if you look at a map now and look at where the war is going on in Ukraine and Russia, that's where the Sarmatians are from. So uh, around Crimea, that's that's where the Sarmatians be- and they are there are horse people. they they uh, when when you say Steppe people, that what that essentially means is you're your, your, your horse lords. Like so. They are, are people who came into contact with uh, the Romans under Marcus Aurelius in the Marcomanni Wars because the Sarmatians had, mo- had migrated west and had come into contact with the Germanic tribes who were also migrating west and came up against the Roman, Roman borders, borders yeah. around what's now Austria. So there will have been contact between uh, Aurelius and the Sarmatians at that point. The Sarmatians were defeated by Marcus Aurelius and part of the conditions of the defeat is the Sarmatian people would give over a certain amount of their men, their population, in service to Rome as Auxilia. Mm-hmm. That's who gets stationed to Britain under the command of Lucius Artorius Castus. So the Sarmatian knights in the movie who are who are who become the, the, the prototype of the, the knights at the round cable are the cavalry detachment led by Artorius Castus. That is true. Was, was there twelve of them and <laughs> Around a around round table No But Artorius Cassus Will have famously Be seen Leading cavalry detachments mm-hmm. Around the north of England Who will have been Ferociously effective These are The best Cavalry You can imagine Operating in an, On an island That doesn't really Use cavalry Yeah
1: mm-hmm. So And they were the, Sort of the, the, For all intents and purposes They were the tanks Of their day They were the tanks Of their day yeah, yeah.
2: They were f- they were ferocious cavalry like effective use of cavalry in a, in a in a geographical location that's given to use of cavalry which britain is against people who aren't used to using cavalry so you can imagine that there's a folk memory of yeah the hyper effectiveness of artorius castus and his cavalry
0: yeah setting aside the film it seems like a, a sort of ripe Uh, basis of Of folklore and of looking back at, especially in the Middle Ages, when jousting is becoming a thing and all this sort of new uh, chivalric notions, like looking back at this and saying, like, wow, these were the good old days.
2: (laughs) And if you're Romano-British in the the 410s and centralization has collapsed, it's only natural that you would look back to a period a couple of centuries earlier that was famous for for having uh for having you know this Roman cavalry commander you know sweeping in and saving the day and p- preventing chaos and defending Hadrian's wall against chaos and disorder that's that's the way a romano british person would think about this mm. their their world has collapsed here with the, with the with, withdrawal what what happens is uh, roman britain or, or romano the romano british they decentralise and they collapse into into into, into competing uh, warlords territories. Some of those warlords were formerly Roman commanders. They were Ro- these are all Romano-
1: pushed. British. Just to be clear, these are all being pushed f- as west as west as far as they can be. So we're all, they're ending up in. that's why the myths as well are coming from the likes of Wales yes. or Cornwall or this type of thing. So
2: the Romano- Romano-British sort of way of being is is under serious pressure. At this point, Hadrian's Wall is no longer defended. That means that there can be raids from the Caledonians, the Picts, or the the, the or the Gaels who were at this point in 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 Scotland. There are raids from Ireland. There are raids from uh, what's now Holland, which which are just like they're every other day. There's a raid from Holland it's just ferocious. Like. and the people who are raiding from Holland, are the Saxons, and the Jutes, and the Angles. Varying warlords uh, pop up all around all around Britain. One of whom is, uh, and I had a lecturer in college. He was absolutely convinced that this guy was was the real Arthur. And this is a this is a Roman commander who, whose name is Ambrosius Aurelianus. Great name. And Aurelianus is recorded in history as carrying out a massive slaughter of Saxons. He he was a Romano-British leader who who rallied the locals to defend an area. What area? We don't know. Where was a fought? Baden-Hill. Where's Baden-Hill? We don't know. What year did it happen in? We don't know. <laughs> what we do know is... You can see
1: the problem here listeners. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> but what we do know is that Ambros- Ambrosius Aurelianus was a real man and he defeated two Saxon kings, one called Ayla and one called Kurdic, at mm, Allegedly... Which is Stellan Skarsgård, Was Which is Stellan Skarsgård's character. And that's, that apparently happened at the Battle of Baden-Hill.
0: So they are in the film then. They're, I mean, in the intro they say, we've figured it out, it's one person, but they take the name of the one person who was a few hundred years earlier and the Battle of Baden Hill is yes. in the film. So yeah. they're already combining two people in the film. Yes, they are.
2: Right, they are. Great. And it's, and it, it's, it's it, I mean, it's, it's further uh, complicated by the fact that there's some of the attributes uh, uh, applied to the art or character seem to line up with... A Roman general, a Roman provincial lord, a dux as they as, as they as they called him, which is a, a, duke. where the word duke comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was the the dux of Armorica and Armorica is a Roman province which is now which is modern day Brittany, which is now called Brittany, um, but was called Armorica at the time. And they had a leader who was called Reathamus. Reathamus seemed to be like Ambrosius Aurelianus, like Artorius Castus in the movie, was half Roman, half local. Was in the sort of local elite family, and he he was a provincial uh, commander, and he's referred to uh, by the the, his, the historian Jordanus. He's referred to as the king of the Britons, and he comes into conflict with uh, the Goths in Gaul, leading the Britons alongside the Romans to put down the Goths. Hmm. Now, why do we, is it,
0: we know about around what year that would have been? Like that's in
2: four seventy, so that's right. sixty years after the movie takes place, but about thirty years before the Battle of Baden Hill, right? <laughs> right. So it's, it, and and also it's not in England. <laughs> yeah. It's in France.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, it's, it's, what's the difference? Okay? Yeah, you
2: know, so it's, 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 it's difficult. Now he's referred to as the King of the Britons. Why is he called the King of the Britons? Because as the Saxon uh, incursions into England increase uh, over time and the, the former centralized regions of, of the, of the Roman province fall under the sway of the Saxon Kings and are essentially just taken over and replaced. Many of the local Romano-British folks fled to the Roman province of Armorica, which is why it's called Brittany, because the yeah. Britons arrived into Armorica,
1: and it's why the Welsh language and the uh, Breton, the language from Brittany, they're, are, they're just from the same branch.
2: Yeah, so they're the same branch of the Celtic language, Breton and Welsh. And when they arrived in, it seems that, or when they began to arrive in, it seems that their leader was Riatimus, which is why the historian refers to him as. The king of the Brits. Now, king is used in a loose term here. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about when we're talking about the Dark Ages, and we're talking we're talking about anything before the medieval times, frankly, the idea Warlord that you and have king is kind of the yeah, same thing. Yeah, right? the idea that you have of the word king just isn't really like no it, nation. It's a modern concept that we have of king. Like th- th- that title doesn't really necessarily mean anything, you know. Um. So, Riathmus Re- Ambrosius Aurelianus and, Luto- and uh, Lucius Artorius Castus. All, all seem to have been conflated into this folkloric story of a man who led the natives against uh, the encroaching chaos and terror Christian of the, yeah, of the, of the, of the, well. yeah, of the unchristian, yeah. unchristian yeah. foreigner. Yes, and that's ultimately where the where the where the origin of King Arthur comes from. There's other things that come later that are that are put on top of it that are also kind of from Rome. There's the whole Excalibur thing. There's suggestion that Excalibur is Caliburn, which was Caesar's sword that he allegedly had left in 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 England and just and, forgot it. I love that you know, idea that he
1: forgot it on the beach. Yeah, you know? Then there's the lady of the like, lake. Oh, it's
2: Caesar's sword. <laughs> there's the lady of the lake and the, and they pulling the sword from the stone. And there, these are later additions that that take elements from other uh, other parts of Celtic-speaking people's mythologies. The lady of the lake idea is is that's quite a common thing, a trope. You know, you see that in Irish myth as well. There's always there's always there's always some spectral woman who comes out of a lady That's just it. That's just a thing in, in Celtic in Celtic myth. And the stone. I feel like if
0: that was happening in Norse myth, it'd be like, don't fucking trust that lady, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 for sure,
2: yeah. Well, uh, yeah. But, uh, she's not fishing. She's yeah. She's not. She's not having a bath. Like, but uh, yeah, the whole spectral myth, you know, uh, tied to nature. That whole that whole kind of thing about the, the lake being personified as a woman and being able to guide the hero and. All of those kinds of stuff, and then Merlin, of course, being a pre-existing Celtic myth of this man who ages backwards through time, and all sorts of all sorts of mad stuff. They all essentially got conflated together as a as a nationalistic expression of identity. That's really what's yeah. going on. But those three, uh, like from my reading and through what I've heard other his or like what I've heard her s- historians say, all three of those seem to be, uh, to some extent, feeding the myth. They've taken the name of a real Roman commander from two centuries previous. They've attributed the deeds of uh, a, a man we think believed around lived around 500, and some of the deeds of a guy who lived in the 470s in a different country. They've done a Mel Gibson. Uh, they've done a Mel Gibson. On yeah, there, yeah. they've conflated it together. Okay, and, and that's yeah. not that's not to even to mention the woads who are just inaccurate from the way they dress. The whole uh, the blue, painting the blue themselves. Paint, That's something the Picts had done. That's not something the, that's not something Welsh. It's, that's not something they, but they do, are
0: the Picts basically in the film they are to the Picts so but they shouldn't be it's, it's more, know, more accurate it's than like in Braveheart in Braveheart they're painting their faces and everything whereas mm, that would have been yeah, a thousand years <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like yeah, a it's, years it's, later I, right? mean, I mean yeah it actually more, makes sense that they would have more, some sort of face paint it's
2: more paste. accurate than, than Braveheart but that's I mean that's that's a low bar <laughs> I mean it's not, not it's not
0: really a compliment they wouldn't be speaking in a posh English accent like Keira Knightley but they might have had some face paint no but
2: but Arthur is king of the Britons he's not king of the Picts and the Britons and the Picts are not the People, it, do you know what I mean? Like the depicts in the, it feels the, like they have a half-hearted
0: Pocahontas story that they've it's thrown into so, this. You yeah, know? kind it's, of. It's like they
2: even do the wedding at uh, at at uh, Stonehenge. That's where the wedding of oh, yeah. Arthur. Oh, yeah, and which is. I forgot about that. Now, yeah, because Keira Knightley
0: is Guinevere yeah, from the Picts what, what and they a, get married at what Stonehenge. What got to do with anything?
2: <laughs> what, what would a Pict be doing? at, at, at You know. What's a pict doing fu- there? That out. Yeah, yeah, that's nowhere. Ne- that's nowhere near Adrian's wall. It's just like.
0: <laughs> and as you said, Merlin's a Welsh myth. Miss- picts and he's way, not a pict. Like, Merlin's not a pict. I mean, yeah. it's it
2: like if anything, like you'd be forgiven if you were a Welsh, you'd be forgiven for being fairly insulted by this film, like because this is not the Picts are not the Britons. They're not the same people, like, you know. And the Welsh, are, they, like the Welsh are the Britons. That, hence the name for Wales and Irish is Britain That's that's what that's what we call them.
0: Mm. The Britons. I bet they love Braten- that. Ratnock. Welsh. Welsh.
2: The yeah. name Welsh. Well. Welsh.
0: Mm. So it feels like he's they've done something similar to um to something Mel Gibson would do or, or whatever. And, and in a sense, they there's a bit of space to play because they've gone back into p- a period of time where there aren't as many sources. They have a, a lot of flexibility in what type of story they can tell. Mm-hmm. But just as we said at the start, the fact that they're selling it as like this is the historically accurate thing that happened yeah. and then not even using the dates and the sources that we do have that is, are you know relatively reliable or sticking to one of these three people yeah. that you described and telling that story might not have been as interesting. But the thing is, it's not a good film anyway. It's not like, good It's anyway, not yeah. a good action film no. or, or what have you. It's not so, satisfying in anyway. So this is why nobody talks about King Arthur from 2004, 20 yeah. years later.
2: <laughs> I, I think, I think there was, there's, there's the potential for a good movie if they just do a movie about the real Lucius Artorius Gastus. Mm. Or not, not like a, even a fictionalised version of him, and you yeah. said, this is where the myth of King Arthur comes from. That's nearly... And let people for, that would do their own thing And let people do their own... And forget yeah, yeah, the withdrawal yeah. of the... You know, forget the withdrawal thing. Have him with the Sarmatian knights and just have an adventure story and just say, you know, this It'd be interesting m- enough in
1: itself. Yeah, you know, and
2: and that could be, f- you could forgive a filmmaker saying this is the origin myth for, or this is the origin of the King Arthur myth because in in a sense it is, at least part of it we believe, you know. But no, this film is what year is it? We don't know. Is a Baden Hill? Is it not Baden Hill? It's pretty sure they call it Baden Hill. You know, there are Hadrian's Wall fighting the pigs. The Britons aren't in it apparently. You know, <laughs> none of it makes any sense. You know. And that's before I start talking about the helmet and the armor and stuff, and then none of which is right.
0: We didn't get into any of that. Yeah, any more details or bits and pieces we need to call out before we wrap this one up? Up, uh, because I think there's, there's a lot. There's a lot, but I genuinely like. It feels like a film that's written by a committee, or like it's like oh, it's it's yeah, very studio, formulaic studio in yeah. the story. Like it's very predictable. It's yeah. very. All. Do, you, do you want to mention the Pope? There's a the lot about the, of the Pope. Pope is, in this.
1: Is, is probably the one that jumps out at you. It's, 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 the it's,
2: it's very problematic. Like they, 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 the last mission that they're given, the, the sort of the call to adventure, I suppose, is that they have to go and rescue the family. They have to go and rescue the F- Honorius family. Now that this is obviously ridiculous because Honorius is the name of the emperor, the emperor for, right, the t- right. So I, I don't know if, if what they're trying to suggest is this family are related to Honorius, but that's not how Roman names work, like. So, so the fam- your family isn't called Honorius, like, mm. um, and they they mentioned that the 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 child is the favoured uh, godchild of the Pope. The only thing about this is that it, the the office of Pope is not in in the in certainly not 410, is not established in the way we understand it to be later. Uh, we talked about it in one of the episodes before that the Pope really solidifying his power around the time of the First Crusade, which is you know 600 years later. Um, but it's nearly 700 so the years the pope later.
1: at the time he's more a
2: bishop he's the bishop of rome and yeah, he's an important yeah. he's an important spiritual figure who may have had some level of influence over the, over the christian emperors but the pope doesn't give orders to to military leaders in the this north is of the pre- crusades yes, like that's yeah, when they yeah. that's, Centuries when, that's when the catholic
0: church really yeah, grasped the, the power that Just, they had
2: Six, seven hundred years before the Crusades. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it, like, the Pope does not send letters giving orders to Roman military commanders who are, who are uh, monitoring borders at the collapse of... It. That's just not what happens. It, it, you know, he has no authority to do anything. <laughs> so
1: is without. that the thing that definitely didn't... I mean, there's a <laughs> I mean, It's whole thing, yeah. Where do we draw uh, the line?
2: Honestly, for me, it's the Picts thing. Yeah. It's, they're not the Picts. That, that, that's not what happened. They're not involved in this.
0: When you say they're yeah. not depicts the uh, you mean like what Merlin and Merlin's Co and not a pick. All of this, yeah. Like, yeah, But Merlin probably wasn't real either. So
2: no, but that, but but this is like like how can I put it? This is like if you take a really really well known Swedish myth and you just decide it's German.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's just, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thor's an alien, like you know <laughs> like exactly. It's, uh, it's that, and like, It does annoy me, <laughs> but that, but, that, but that's
2: what it is. You know, this it's the same. It's the same. It's the same kind of thing. It's even more offensive. Like, suggesting that, yeah, one. but yeah, that that that's look, none, none of it ever. None of this happened, you know.
0: Yeah, so definitely a contender for our finale. I think when we when we wrap up and talk about what's been the least accurate from from this season. But mm. um any sources or reading you would recommend either for you know the. the I suppose the obvious one is the history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire goes into the history and decline you, and fall of the you, Roman you, Empire.
2: You, you, you could, you could, re- like, I mean, nobody's you know, going to read it. You want to, you want to a long beach holiday to read that? Like, but uh,
0: <laughs> that's the book my my dad famously got me and was like, every man should have this on his shelf. <laughs> he shouldn't open
1: it, but have <laughs> yeah, it on his just, shelf. Just have it. <laughs> a- that's what every dad, throughout time, has ever said yeah. to ever say. Uh, yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> um. But like, I, I think. A good one here if you're into if you're interested in say Roman Britain and uh, the motivations for why Claud- Claudius or Cl- Claudius decided to invade and all that it you can you could go with Suetonius the 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 Twelve Caesars there's a a little bit on it and that so that's sort of one of is your he's a great historian your, it's great. a good book anyway uh, I heard Scorsese considering making a movie about the. Twelve Caesar. That's what they. That's what they they're say. They're yeah, pretty good. Um, and the first kingdom by Max Adams, uh, Britain in the Age of Arthur. Uh, I only got to read so far the first couple of chapters, but uh, yeah, definitely recommend it. Gives you a great idea of the f- actual fall of the Roman Empire in um or the withdrawal because it didn't. There wasn't like a fixed date as we said. You know, the slow death of the Roman Empire in Britain. I suppose. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Good way to describe the, the the collapse of the Roman Empire. It's a sl- sl- death by a thousand like Um, I would recommend uh Th White's novel, the ones from Future King, um about King Arthur. And but that's a fantasy Winter novel, to be clear. That's oh, the yeah, Separation yeah. we're yeah, yeah. making here. <laughs> but it's but it's it's it is the Arthur novel. I, I would I would say, um, the origin or the or the sort of the first reference to. Maybe not the first reference, but definitely a reference to Aurelianus and to uh, Arthur and Arthur's alleged father Uther Pendragon. I would recommend Geoffrey Monmouth's History of the Kings of Britain. It's highly fictionalized; <laughs> like it's not, it's not a history. <laughs> it starts off with a, with a with a Trojan prince fleeing the sack of Troy and arriving into Britain. So it's it you know, and there's dragons and and. and there's a uh, giants as well. I think you know, living in Britain. Um, but it's it's a, it's an interesting read. It's one of those ones where you can jump in and read just about one guy, mm. and, then ju- and you don't necessarily have to, you know. And it's sort of the the ultimately the origin of the the name Arthur in in in, uh, in the histories. So those would be the two I would go. with.
0: Sounds good, and I do think we. Should, after this chat, I feel like uh, we did an episode on Irish myths for the Patreon. I think maybe just going more into these myths would be a fun one to do for mm, for patreon.com slash realhistorypodcast. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Uh, where you can find out more. Uh, about, well, you find out more. You can re- listen more. You can hear of our, all of our bonus episodes that we release monthly, where we go into bits and pieces that we can't fit on the main show. Yeah. Um,
2: and you can listen for very cheap. It's a very reasonable price. It is indeed. Uh, I'll just put that out there. You know. um, so, yes, yeah. this is still Are a capitalist to society. say we're cheap? Yeah, we're yes. very cheap. No, I'm I'm, <laughs> try, I'm trying to say we're very competitive. This is still a capitalist society, Michael. I'm, I'm just trying to say it's, you know, competitive, competitive price.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, <laughs> patreon.com slash Real History Podcast. But beyond that, uh, yeah, and thank you to all of our patrons for actually helping fund this season. Or by fund, I mean get us a few drinks after recording which is (laughs) basically what we're going to do with the money Um, uh, but yeah that's I think for now that's the end of the reel. Cheers Cheers